What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Propaganda Report. It's Brad Binkley here with my co-host, Monica Perez. And we have a special treat for y'all today. One of our most popular guests is back. With us this evening is America's most trusted and beloved lawyer and the host of the very popular podcast, The Quash, Legal Man. Legal Man, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to have you on here. I love your fire. So I just want to start right out of the gate. What's got you hot right now? <laughs> Man, I don't, you know, for me, variant story with the, that we had a, what, a year, a solid year of this ridiculous concoction of a virus that never created variants until we had a vaccine that nobody kind of wants to take. And now all of a sudden, variants everywhere. <laughs> and then, and to catch on that it's kind of a variant by convenience here they're on tv as well i told monica the other day there's a show called loki he's a villain in the not the in the marvel whatever the avengers is that Uh that movie he's and they gave him his own show and he is actually a variant they've taken out of the timeline and he walks around in the show with the word variant written on his back (laughs) and he's out chasing dangerous variants i'm like this couldn't be more parallel to what's going on script. that is hilarious oh my god wow what a world such a clown world i mean it's so ridiculous at this point I don't know how people take it seriously when you have someone like Joe Biden as the president. I, I don't understand how you can say we, Joe Biden is our president and then take any of it seriously. The guy has been a joker for 50 years and he's obviously got dementia and everyone just walks around acting like this is just okay they just ignore it it's just it's so weird well they have this guy who seems like he has dementia he's bumbling and then they have him delivering these very dystopian messages like in this speech he gave yesterday where he's telling everybody that they're going to go door to door literally knocking (laughs) on doors getting those vaccines to the people who haven't got them yet. i mean that would be terrifying if it came from someone with a scary voice Yeah, it was. I saw that. I got a big kick out of that one, too. And that, you know, something like that can just in 2021, it can just be said and everyone's like, oh, okay. Well, there's going to. okay, so that's what we're doing now. They're going door to door. Oh, okay. And And what was crazy about that story was that it was like we watched a clip of people plotting that exact thing. Like a month and a half earlier. Yeah. What was it, Binkley? What was it? It was from the panel discussion from the think tank CSIS, Center for Strategic and International, whatever. I can't remember what the rest of it is, but it's one of the bigger global think tanks. And they literally said they're going to be sending vaccine strike forces to your communities. And then Biden repeated almost verbatim a lot of the stuff that they said. And then Jen Psaki called them strike forces yesterday during her press conference. Strike forces. So they're getting their marching orders, obviously, globally. (laughs) Not that, you know, they don't always. But when I mean, I've just noticed this with Biden over and over again. He actually uses their words. It's like someone needs to rewrite the memo because he's like, build back better. Oh, wait. Uh, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Somebody change that. We should personalize it. Yeah, that build back better was a was a great one where those people put, you know, they put those memes together, showed all the build back betters going on everywhere. And. No matter how many how many so-called coincidences like this there are, it's the vast majority of people. They just never snap to <laughs> they never snap to. And they keep people emotionally divided 
to the point where it doesn't matter if the truth is beating them over the face that they will stand on the side that the people they emotionally line with stand on. And I think it's almost like a test of what can we use as a clown world? How can we just make it as ridiculous as possible and see how powerful these emotional appeals can be? And people will go with anything, absolutely anything. Oh, yeah. I, I've I've really been convinced for quite a while now that there really is no limit, that they, they can really say anything. And as long as it's politically divisive along those lines, a large group of people will believe it and a large group of people won't. And it'll operate just the same as a, like a real statement, like a normal statement, whatever the situation they have, a they have a mechanism now with social media and the way people have been primed up that they, they put it out there and the system just automatically kicks in and starts, you know, the talk radio guys start taking one position and the mainstream media guys take another position and they have all the social influencers and the paid bots and trolls uh, that start putting out, you know, very predictable stuff. And it's amazing. Everybody just falls into line and it doesn't seem to matter that there's endless examples of things that never got resolved. I mean, Trump is now out there, you know, running around having more of these, I guess, rallies. I don't know. <laughs> fundraisers. I don't even know what the point of any of them are, but it's like everybody forgets. He was there for four years. He didn't arrest anybody. He didn't lock anybody up. He created Operation Warp Speed. He threw us trillions of dollars into debt. Nothing actually happened with any of this stuff. And now that he's out of office, he just gives another set of promises. No different than a set of liberals give promises they're never going to make. And the people run around and act like, well, this time's different. Every single time, this time's different. Every time. Yeah, that is always <laughs> true. They always say this time's different. They said it with him. They said it with Obama. And <laughs> I, a few people have come back and it, it kind of chased me a little bit because uh, I'll have said and been smacked down the whole time with Trump. Like he is keeping you from rebelling against this. If Hillary were did the emergency order, you would be on the mall with long guns. And now a few people are like, you know, I think maybe Trump facilitated this along the way. I'm like, yes, of course. <laughs> but I think maybe but with, with him, like it's it has to be there's like I don't know if it's just that. I always point to that DC post office, which if they really wanted to get hurt him, hit him where it hurts. He was not permitted to have that lease of the DC post office, which I think probably netted him like $500 million. I don't think he was a billionaire before, but I think he might be now. And they net like Nancy Pelosi never hit him on that or any of that. So, but I think it's just as simple as that. He's just a businessman. This is a business proposition. He's doing what they want. He doesn't want to go back and take office. He didn't really care. I think that it's just a business proposition and, and they can't seem to, you know, you're this, He's not Batman. He's not like secretly dying to uh, save the world for some unknown reason. He's always been kind of the same businessman character. And I think he's doing right. it now. But, I, I, but it's one just thing amazing. Said, one thing you said earlier is like how people are still buying this and you could say anything. And if the if it's a red person saying it or a blue person saying it, like it's just going to be adopted by those people. And the mechanism is totally baffling me because it's the fear of death that seemed to be driving people to like lockdown. I was so disappointed in the old people. I, I was like, look, you're going to die 
pretty soon anyway. Like, why right. are you giving up everything that you're, you know, probably your dad's fought for or whatever? But, but then you see at these terrible, the side effects of the vaccine and so many people know someone who was seriously injured. And so it's actually delivering death and injury and still the people are so afraid that they're doing what they're told i i'm really baffled by that i i have cognitive dissonance over how they are integrating those totally oppositional thoughts in their you know every day yeah it's it is it's fascinating to watch in a kind of perverse way I, I'm wondering at what point we're going to kind of cross over if we haven't already, where there are more people who know people who have been completely screwed up by the vax than new people who had anything really happen to them as a result of the so-called virus. I mean, I just wonder when that's going to happen because it's clearly going to happen. And I mean, Nothing gets through. Like I said, nothing gets through. It doesn't make any difference to people how totally incredible and outrageous the story is. I mean, that ridiculous excuse they're giving for the collapse of that building in Miami. I mean, it's, it's up there with the Las Vegas shooter kind of thing. It's like, well, and then I they blew understand. it up and they said, well, it's going to make us easier to find people. They blew well, the rest of it up. Lost yeah. it. They, I saw. Yeah, they said they're going to pause the search and rescue. They're going to pause it so they can demolish the building. You know, I guess that's the presumption you're going to pick it back up after you demolish the building. <laughs> Dude, I was reading about what it takes uh. to demolish a building, and he said it takes months. Like you have to wrap stuff up so that it doesn't like spew out. People get killed. Maybe yeah, they, they do have it to in clear a day. all the stuff. Yeah, the glass and everything gets removed. I mean, the thing's just an empty shell by the time they bring it down. For Professionally, I mean, it, but the yeah, thing I don't understand it. about it is, okay, they they claim that it was sinking. Uh, there's some kind of sinkage, and two, that two the combination of sinkage and and rust somehow inside this this concrete encased steel all just collapsed all at once into its own footprint. I mean, it disintegrated like I, the I steel beams that it. hold it up disintegrated. We have a security <laughs> footage of it of it coming down. It's that is in no way a building collapsing because of some kind of, you know, foundational shift or it's just so absurd that Plus, it's such a great example of the way people literally believe anything. And it tie it was timed perfectly to fit right in with Biden's infrastructure tour and we know <laughs> climate change is part of infrastructure, smart world part of infrastructure, so it fit perfectly in with the agenda that happened to be going on in that moment. I just F15s uh, nuclear bombs are infrastructure apparently too. We have <laughs> yeah. to have those. Uh, I just uh it's just it's just I don't you know, I've been spending a decent amount of time just kind of I don't know, like I say, taking a break from all that kind of stuff, but studying narcissism because it's so clearly just on the rise and it's having such a huge effect in society. I mean, when I was a kid, yeah, I'm sure there were some narcissists running around as usual, but it's very clear to me that this insane social media culture is just creating so many narcissists and 
narcissists, it appears to me, well, one, you know, they'll never take responsibility for anything. And that's just if that's not the hallmark of our current culture, I don't know what it is, but nobody is taking responsibility. Everybody sees that the people in charge don't ever take responsibility. And they're just creating this massive number of narcissists who will never take responsibility for anything. And they'll they'll never admit that they were wrong. And if I look at the kind of, I don't know, the social discourse, so-called, that goes on. It's it's so much a narcissistic kind of back and forth in the news and on social media. And I wonder how many of the people are are truly like that and how many of them are just quiet, you know, because the vast majority of people on social media, as you guys know, that they never speak up. They just they don't ever speak up. They don't make comments. They don't. The most they'll ever do is like hit the like button kind of thing, but they'll never comment. And so all of the public discourse, whether it's politics or anything else, is driven by that very, very small group of people. And then, of course, all they have to do is control them by having these so-called influences and others, people they pay, you know, these these fake followers and all this crap, these people that, that run those farms that run a million accounts. And so it's so easy to create the impression of something. I would love to be able to drain out social media and see how many people are real and what they're actually doing as opposed to all of these trolls and shills and bots and AI and crap like that that's running, you know? It's such a weapon. They, it is. They had a bunch of TikTok so stars. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it makes it so hard for us, you know, because people like you and me, we're, we're all sitting around trying to figure out what's going on. A lot of the people that listen to shows like y'all's, maybe shows like mine, they, they, they feel very isolated. They're trying to figure out what's going on. The world appears to be crazy. They're trying to leave the impression that it's crazy. I don't know how anybody can look at the news and come away with a conclusion that they're trying to do anything except for leave the impression in rational people's minds that the world has gone completely mad. I don't know how you can conclude anything else. And when they speak up, they're led to believe that they're the ones who have the radical opinions and they're right. the ones who are crazy, which causes people to remain silent. Like you said, that spiral of silence where they think they're in the minority. But in reality, kind of like the vaccine, only 46.4%, according to the website, uh, CDC, and that's probably blown up numbers, but only 46.4% have been vaccinated. And that's under half of the country. But you hear Biden speak last night. You'd think that 99 percent of the country has been vaccinated. And right. We need to well, go after the offering them money and scholarships and, and lap dances and free donuts <laughs> and God knows what else. And they still can't get it happening. I mean, it's just it's so crazy to me because I look at that. And I say, well, hold it. I mean, why am I painted as a conspiracy kook? Because I don't believe that the explanation I'm getting about this building so-called falling down, which it didn't fall down. Every single floor pancaked into the footprint. And I asked a structural engineer about it. It's like, that's just, I mean, anybody can look at it and see. It's like the buildings in 911. It's like, I don't get it. Why, why are average people so cowed to take a position that's not in any way unreasonable. The unreasonable one is the absurdity of the official story, just like the absurdity of the Vegas story, just like the absurdity of this virus story, just like all these official stories. And they're so absurd. And yet the world is so upside down that they're able to paint people who have really just normal positions. And, you know, 100 years ago would have been very reasonable, even maybe 50 years ago to reasonable. But with the advent of social media and this electronic insanity it's, it's like i said it's like they're trying to drive people crazy by presenting a world that's crazy and then telling you that this world is is sane 
And there's it just so, I think it's messing with people's heads. There's so much to what you're saying there in a couple of things. First of all, that that pool deck thing, the in Wikipedia, so that's the official narrative, it said there was a woman, uh, she was 40 years old, her name was Carrie or Cassie or something, looking out the window at 1.30 in the morning, talking on the phone to her husband and said, oh my gosh, uh, in one account, it's the pool is gone. And uh, the other thing was the pool deck is gone. So all the pictures immediately had a pool full of water and the pool deck intact with the giant building rubble on top of it. So you could see with your eyes, literally, I tweeted a picture like that with a headline that was under the picture that says, woman says, pool just gone, you know? So here you have, right. So they're actually, that thing was cognitive dissonance (laughs) in the flesh. And I think it does relate to what you're saying about the narcissism, the mental health. I was just thinking today, there was a big billboard that says mental health matters. And and it has always has like a teenager or a person of color, or whatever demographic they are, in my opinion, trying to drive crazy. And they and they'll do things. I mean, I'm almost wondering if they're setting up the mental health thing because because these are like multi-year plans. There right. is one one of these tabletop exercises was the SPARS exercise, Johns Hopkins 2017. And they said that two year, a very, very similar track so far, month by month, but this is a three-year thing. And it says two years after the vaccine, people will have, uh, there will be growth problems in the brain. So the way you have blood clotting, it's maybe going to have proteins stringing along in the brain. And people will say, they will claim that it's a vaccine injury and we're not going to make an opinion on that but we have scenarioed it out and if we just pay them off they will shut up and we're gonna call it mental illness and if it i mean that it seems like a couple of two steps removed to say okay the vaccine is going to cause mental illness or that prion whatever i wouldn't put it past them but it got me thinking that they are actually generating mental illness and this idea of narcissism could be why people will accept anything because especially the teenagers are so trained to want to get those likes want to get those thumbs up to look at themselves on tiktok to get um, it to be viral on tiktok that they would never say i've had them say this to me I'm, I'm around teens a lot. They will never say they will say, I don't care. That won't you know, get me likes or the equivalence of that. People won't like it if I point out that the pool deck is there. You know, right. They won't like it. And that and that the narcissism, they need it so much. I think that they won't they they just disconnect completely from reality for that virtual world. Yeah, I, I just I, I really the more I watch, this, I think they are clearly attempting to drive a large portion of the population into very significant mental instability because, you know, you start to question when you're anybody who's in a relationship with a narcissist. And of course, the society at this point is in effect gaslighting on such a massive scale. I mean, literally nothing that's in the news makes any sense with what anybody can observe. I mean, all those crazy relationship with the news, actually, the news is a narcissist that we're in an abusive relationship with. That's what I'm saying, that they they're just gaslighting the living crap at everybody on such a massive scale. It's not significantly different than being in a narcissistic relationship, where if you try to point out the gaslighting, the narcissist attacks you. Well, that's exactly what happens if you. (laughs) 
point out the insanity that's being presented to you as though it's real. They call you a conspiracy theorist and a kook and, they, and, they, and just the name calling and, and, you know, they just turn it on with the social media. It's identical. And it's very demoralizing to be in a situation like that. And I've, I, to me, it feels very demoralizing to be in this society where any kind of honesty and truth is just instantaneously stepped on and you are made to be the kook. And I just, you know, it takes a toll on people. It, it actually takes a toll on, like physically on people's bodies to have that kind of stuff. It's demoralizing. It breaks people down and it makes people kind of give up. And, you know, there's a lot of advantages to a government would love to have a totally and completely broken down, demoralized population, no different than some some narcissist who loves to take advantage of the uh, the person in the relationship. It's not significantly different. And I just I I have been asking for years and years and years. And now that I have a little tiny, tiny, tiny platform kind of thing with Twitter and, and my podcast and getting to go on shows like y'all's, I ask people all the time. Can anybody name an official narrative that gets pushed? That gets pushed. That's true. I, because I can't find one in any area that's true. And <laughs> that is just such a massive amount of insane gaslighting and disconnect. And I see it in people who I interact with on social media who are like y'all, who kind of see the exact same thing I see. And they're frustrated and they love to try to find somebody who just makes them not feel crazy. It's a huge draw to just you don't want to feel crazy. And that's exactly the same thing that goes on in a narcissistic relationship. You want to you want to get out. It helps if someone comes to you and they're like that. The last thing you need is these stinking enablers who say, oh, well, they're not that bad. And, you know, I think you're overblowing it. No, you need someone to say, yeah, you know, that's that's a really crazy situation. That alone is hugely uplifting to somebody. And it's identical to me. Very close analogy to what I see going on. Very close. They say in narrative warfare, we did these deconstructions of these narrative warfare specialists. One of them's name is Ajit Man, and she wrote these books about narrative warfare that were written as instructional manuals for the national security industry, um, national, national security professionals. And she is the one they parade around to do the trainings to teach people these psychological warfare, narrative warfare strategies. And she says that narrative warfare is not a battle over the truth. It's a battle over meaning and the truth is irrelevant and they just fight to control what the narrative is and they fight to be the ones that project the meaning of the information they give to the public to the public before the information is able to decipher meaning themselves. And I think that speaks to a little bit to what you were just saying there. That it doesn't yes. matter what the truth is. It doesn't. I mean, how can they run around acting like Joe Biden is a competent president? The dude is a joke. He has to be hidden. He's he's obviously he goes in these sort of uh, Alzheimer-y kind of fits where he can't even find a word. A buddy of mine who's an MD and I went through it and we, and we discovered the I mean, it's very clearly described as a type of uh, dementia that sets in where you can't find the word. You can't think of the word and you kind of lose your place and you just start saying random words. It doesn't make a lot of sense. 
course, anybody can watch what happens to Joe Biden periodically and see that's exactly what's happening, that he, it's not that he's he's out of it completely. It's that he has a situation where it's like he obviously can't think of a phrase. And then he just goes into his kind of oh, come on, man, and all these kind of stupid catchphrases. And he makes this kind of word salad bullshit. And it's like, oh, OK, that's what's wrong with the guy. But we all have to pretend that he's this great, strong, powerful leader who's really tough with Putin and he's being hard on and, and all these insane things that none of which are true. And <laughs> I, I don't know, it's, it's it really starts to mess with my head because it's just so extreme. I would love to find at least some areas that aren't fully contaminated by this fundamental kind of lying that goes on that everybody just runs around talking about. Of course, you know, I I talk about it in the law because it's just so blatant, but it's it's literally it's it's kind of every area I ever look into it's like oh it's just total crap and yes, oh, that's just I, total crap <laughs> i think that that does have a like it is it's so over the top we actually noticed that a couple of years ago that like even cnn or fox or whatever or like new york times or Street journal that would say without evidence or say um uh diminish another news outlet they would never point to their own evidence they would only say that they had the authority because they were respected. So they were already kind of training us not to have that. But I, I was telling Binkley, I read a book. Uh, it was by Jacques, Jacques Ulul, who does the propaganda. He has a propaganda book and um, the Technological Society book. And he had said there was an untapped um, archetype that he expected propaganda to tap into before uh, too long. This was lo- the, he wrote a long time ago. But I was wondering if the Biden thing, like, why would they put Biden in there? He's very corrupt. Maybe he knows where the bodies are buried. Maybe they they just owed him one or maybe they could control him or whatever. But I think there might be an element of putting him out there to be this like Oedipal figure that we can slay so that Mama Kamala can be our queen. Like I just for him, I almost feel like they need her, you know, the the black female goddess to save us with her strength and youth and wisdom. And like the dumber he gets, like the more we'll beg for that. No. I don't I I mean, nothing would surprise me because those sort of very deeply embedded archetypes, even though they seem ridiculous, they the the older I get, the more I believe that there's probably a lot of stuff to to, to those things, that there's a lot of legitimacy there. The thing I say about Biden is that, okay, Biden sucks. He's a complete joke. (laughs) But think about it. He really was probably the best out of that field of Democrats. (laughs) Think what a set of jokers they rolled out. I mean, who would have been so much better out of the field of Democrats? Uh, I think a clump of dirt might have been. (laughs) This is my point. Is it was he necessarily picked because he knows? I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I would love for someone to name a Democrat of any kind of prominence who could have any chance of winning who's better than Biden. Well, it's making me think now of that email that went out and it's so hard to sift through because the news is it's I I would say it's 90 percent bullshit and 10 percent cover up. So it's the 10 percent, you know, like the 10 percent, that's an actual story that I'm just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's there for a reason. And one of those was I think it was like in October, Fox News, probably Tucker Carlson, who's I just 
he's a, a like hote propagandist. He seems like a very high level controlled opposition to me. But he I think it was him had a guy who had, uh, was a partner of Hunter Biden's or was one of his managers in a financial thing. He was his Bobininsky? PR guy. Or, what was his name? It's like Bobininsky, Bobininsky or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, good call. So it had an email where the guy wrote, this is the phase two infrastructure project contacts for your perusal. And it was 15 names. I think they were all or almost all Democrats. And it was every one of the people I heard of every one of them. And they Mm -hmm. were all from different states. It was like Klobuchar, Newsom, Cuomo, uh, Kamala Harris, because it was a couple of years ago. I think it was not DeSantis, but the guy before him, Rick Scott, maybe it was it was who, you know, now that I look at it, I think there is that that group of people they can count on. That's why they kind of trot out, I think, like Jen Psaki or Elliot Abrams or Bill Barr. Like they trot out the people who have already buried some bodies. Maybe that's why Biden is there. And then they just have this small group and you cannot just get a a candidate. Otherwise, you're going to have to JFK. But who would be better? But that's my point is that we laugh at you because Joe Biden sucks so bad. And it's like, okay, well, can anybody name any kind of re- just relatively prominent Democrat who's actually competent in any way and wouldn't just be a complete joke? Well, there was a guy who was not prominent like that famous, but he was very prominent in San Francisco. And I became aware of him because he was the public defender who rightly uh, and well defended the immigrant who was charged in the Kate Steinle shooting. Like I did a lot of work on that. And I was absolutely certain that guy was set up that immigrant. And I just couldn't imagine there was any I mean, I even think the sheriff of San Francisco was in on that whole narrative that it was just that's why I thought Trump was fake from the beginning. Okay. that of that. But but the public defender, Jeff Adachi, who had already bucked the system, it was an elected position. He had pissed off so many Democrats along the way. He had four grandparents in Japanese internment camps like the guy was just motivated by his ideology. And he got this guy off and he was going into film. So he started making films. He made a film about this and he just ends up uh, dead and disgraced in a hotel room with like a Latin American prostitute or something with like okay, needles around him. You remember hearing about that? No, I'm just saying, but there, there's a, that's just bolstering my case that I agree. Yeah. There I'm saying there was this guy, but he's dead. Of, you know, quality. <laughs> yeah. There's quality now. people. Absolutely. There's quality people on each side who are completely brainwashed and believe in the system and, and they have best of intentions and they may even do some good. But at what point in order to rise to any level of power in that Democrat party, I look around and I say, I, I honestly, I can't come up with a single name. Was Cuomo? Was he? Would he? He'd be so great. Pelosi. Think of the jokers that ran. All of those jokers. Every single one of them is a complete joke. And it's like, okay, so Biden. I, I, it's like, okay, I mean, this is what you get. This is the quality that you get, and that's that's to my point that I don't know how anybody takes the system seriously. It's just clear as day that you have to be fully corrupt, compromised beyond belief in order to be in any kind of position of power uh, in this political structure on every side. And yet the people continue to believe or at least 
The narrative that's out, which maybe is really kind of what my point is about, is that how many people really do believe any of this since half the people don't even vote. Tons of people hold their nose and vote because they're so confused by these constitutional conservatives. And yeah, there's a hardcore group of, you know, progressive BLM types who just really want to soak, you know, the rich or whatever it is they imagine and advance themselves. But what is the country really made up of? I, I, I tend to think it's made up of a lot of people who are they won't speak up. They're quiet. They're running their own lives. They don't keep track because it's just all total bullshit. And when they go on social media at all, they don't participate. And if they try at all, they get stomped on by a bot or a troll or a shill who shows up to pull one of these systems and it just beats them back. And I guess my thinking is that we have a very, very short time frame in a matter of, you know, a decade or so at most, if we even survive in order to be able to to take advantage of the fact that there are still people like that, because I think in another decade or so, you're going to have a decade more of, you know, people dying at the one end and the, and the new people coming up and just a tremendous amount of additional demoralization through this system that the people will be really, really beaten down. Yeah, and I think this is a demoralization plan. Definitely. They are, like you said, amplifying the extreme voices and making them seem like they're the majority. Right. While every, the, the normal, reasonable voices, which are actually extremely in the majority, are remaining silent for fear of being attacked by the right. extreme ones, which control the media. And the attempt to manifest this reality would be a full society of people that are ultimately their brains are just completely the logic button is switched off and, and nothing matters are completely brainwashed. And so you get you think 10 years till we till we reach that. No, I'm saying that I'm saying that over the next 10 years that we're already in bad situation and that every day that goes by that gets that we don't really make progress with it is just it's just going off a cliff as far as likelihood it can ever turn the thing around because the people are going to be so demoralized. I mean, Yuri Bezmenov style, but but, you know, taken to a whole other level with this social media stuff that they'll just. They won't speak up at all. Uh, they won't want to talk. They'll be so beaten down that it just can't be reached. And, you know, as as to the insane kind of positions they take, you know, they've got both sides of that narrative. That's both sides of that narrative that runs out in the media is fake. And that's the real major problem to me is that. There's a lot of people who see that the news is fake, that it's dominated by these liberal uh, loser Marxist nut jobs who just push the stuff. What they don't see is that the other side of it that's out in media, this this so-called fake conservative movement crap, they don't see how fake that narrative is. And so they get sucked into it. And that narrative is just as extreme and just as illogical and just as nonsensical and just as much of a dead end. And that's where I think they put people into that meat grinders. They go in, they see the fake news, they, they, they latch on to these, this, this conservative side of it. They get ground up on their meat grinder stuff that makes no sense. And they get arguing, arguing, arguing about crap. And they see that nothing happens and they kind of give up. And the people we need just kind of check out. Because that's a win for the system. Just having people checked out is a huge win for the system. They love that. Definitely. So what would you people often say, what can we do to fix the system? What what can we do to fix the system? That's a question that it's not really a practical one to answer for an individual because no one individual can take over the system unless you're, you know, Loki or some other person from the Marvel Universe. 
<laughs> an individual can do things in front of them. And that's what I think a lot of people lose focus on is they focus on, well, how can I topple and take take over or fix this entire system myself? That That is really challenging to take on a huge global power on your own. <laughs> what would you say that an individual can do for themselves to live a little freer, a little better among all of this craziness? You know, for me, I, I really push this idea that you need to kind of get your mind right. There is a tremendous amount of peace I got, at least. And I've had other, many other people come and thank me on uh, social media and inside my uh, podcast and things like that for, for showing them the way the system actually works. Because that extreme cognitive dissonance that people suffer when they're in that conservative fantasy land, the Constitution crap. I know I was in it for years. And when I finally sorted it out, there's just a lot more peace. And then it's a lot easier to, one, uh, deal with the system to the extent that you can do something. And two, you're a way better, way better voice out in the world to try to change people that you once when you're more at peace yourself, it's way easier to not attack, personally attack all these people, blow up on them like you see on social media that you see the, the so-called conservatives versus the liberals. It, 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 there's never an actual change because both sides make no sense. And if you can all it takes, all it takes in order to make change is to get some people on our side. That's really all it takes, but that's not easy. And there's a lot of resistance there. And so if you want to have peace of mind yourself, just having a system where the predictive value of the way you understand the system working is good, that's huge. Because I listen all the time to things like this constitutional conservative radio crap. I'll flip it on. I can't hardly stand any of it for any length of time now. But I do listen to it in order to, to see if what they're kind of talking about. It's always the same. Uh, it doesn't matter what kind of case it is. Whenever there's a legal issue or a political issue, there's always this shock and surprise that they've been betrayed. <laughs> and then there's all this discussion about the Constitution and how we have to get organized. And, and when you understand the actual position those people are, are playing, then you don't go through that that horrible gaslighting and expectation and depression because you already know that the system is doing exactly what it's designed to do and that wasting your time running around beating your head against a wall isn't going to do anything. You need to spend your time doing things to help, which either improve your life or understanding the way the system works and talking to people about that who are open to it because we have to have people who are actually open to it. That's it. And a lot of people are never going to be open to it at this point. But I do find that to be for me. And I did a whole show on this a long time ago, maybe a year ago about about the value of knowing the truth. And I may have given you guys this analogy or metaphor. I don't, I'm not sure I even know the difference between those two words. But <laughs> the, uh, you live in a neighborhood and the neighborhood is really run by a gang. OK, it doesn't matter if it's a mafia gang or something else. And you see that and, it, and it's abusive to you. And you don't understand that the police are also in on this entire thing. They're all paid off. So are the courts. And if you're in that situation, that's to me is the equivalent of the constitutional conservatives. They think they can go to the police, they can go to the so-called authorities and it'll help. Well, it really doesn't help. It actually makes your life much worse. And if you, if you, once you understand the system, the way I explain it to people, which no one has ever been able to point out that I'm wrong because I know damn well I'm right. Cause I, 
I used to believe all that other crap. <laughs> and so I know all the arguments. But if you know that the gang runs it and the cops are dirty, well, you don't make yourself problems by going to the police. You understand the system. You can either leave the neighborhood, which is an opportun- option and those kinds of things. You can't really leave the country or the planet because it's all the same. But your life will be better because you understand the way the system works and you don't step into problems. I see cases all the time, stories in the news, people screwing themselves over because they wake up in the wrong order. They think, oh, such and such happened. I'm going to go to HR. Well, they don't understand what HR is there to do. (laughs) Oh, such and such happened. Oh, I'm going to go to the authorities. They don't understand what the authorities are there to do. Such and such. Oh, I'm going to file a lawsuit and I'm going to get my justice. They don't understand what the courts are there to do. They don't understand what's going to happen in a lawsuit. I mean, You can save yourself on a personal level a huge amount of personal trauma and just wasted time just being upset about something that, hey, dude, it's Texas in the summer. Guess what? If you get upset because it's hot, you're going to spend a lot of time upset because it's hot here. You need to make peace with that. Maybe you don't like hot weather. Okay, well, maybe you need to live somewhere else. But when you're here, you need to make peace with it because there's a huge difference between having it be hot and just having to experience the hot and having it be hot and you hating the fact that it's hot. And that those are just two very different experiences. And the society itself and the legal system, which just controls everything now, if you understand a political and legal system, the way it operates, you have a lot more peace. It doesn't improve the actual situation, but being realistic about it puts you into a completely different headspace and allows you a lot more free time that you're not sitting there just ginning in the back of your mind. You know, just like if you're in a crappy relationship, it's just always thinking about it, wondering about it. What can I do? How how that happened? I can't believe they did that. People who who just uh, they they focus on politics and these legal issues, which are all interconnected now, they just work themselves up. Up into a frenzy in a state all the time when it's pointless. It's truly pointless. I mean, that's a, that is a good point to make. I remember having I had accidentally had a natural childbirth with one of my kids. It was a horrible experience, but <laughs> I don't recommend it at all. So, but I, it was the crazy pain. I mean, it was insane. Like when people say, if you're in enough pain, you'll pass out. Not no is any whatever. If there was is more pain that could actually get you to pass out. I don't know, but it was horrible. But I probably stupidly had no fear. I just knew I had to get through it. And I mean, Mm -hmm. people die in childbirth all the time. I don't know why I wasn't afraid, but I wasn't afraid at all. And it was the craziest pain, but it was endurable because I did not have the fear. And since the fear is the thing that's controlling society, that's not a bad, I have a few more things, but that's not a bad, that's a a good approach. Very. Oh, it is. Uh, You know, there's, there's a, in, in, I do, I, of course, I, I really like Eastern philosophy. So I, I, I think they get, they got a lot of stuff that people could learn. Very interesting lessons that are all, of course, poo pooed here in the West, but they have one about suffering and the fact that when you're suffering, most of the time you're suffering the suffering <laughs> that, that that's really the problem is that you're just, Oh, I can't believe this is happening to me. And I'm suffering the suffering. And, and that's so much more damaging to you than the people who, who, reach these sort of higher states, they can have bad stuff happen to them and it happens and they know it'll happen and it's going to pass and it goes, but they don't, they don't ruminate and suffer the suffering. And 
So many people are suffering the suffering in this society because they don't understand the way the legal system does, works. They don't understand the way the political system is set up. They don't understand that all these things are designed to drive you crazy or just every side of the, of the narrative that's running in the news is a lie. And so they suffering endlessly. And if, if you can get out of that, it doesn't it doesn't relieve the underlying pain, but you no longer suffer the suffering. Yeah, it's like when I hear people complain about Brian Stelter being a bad journalist. <laughs> I'm like, he's not a journalist. He's a propagandist. He's Why great at his job. Him? His job is to be a propagandist and make you go crazy. He's, his right. job is not a journalist, so he's doing good at his job. Right. He's a that's, a that's a great example right there of people who are suffering the suffering that that Brian Stelter is going to do what he does. He What is he there to do? He's there to lie to people and to <laughs> stir up trouble and to distract people away so they never, ever find real answers and to get people arguing with each other. Well, if, he's great if you it. let that guy live inside your head rent free, <laughs> well, why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. If you if you don't like the man, if he's a joke, which then ignore the man. That's all. And and get humor out of it. That's that's my go to, certainly on my Twitter and, and, and even in my uh, my podcast and stuff. I just I just prefer to laugh at the absurdity of this stuff that. They actually can pull it off and people take it seriously. They have people taking Joe Biden seriously. <laughs> I heard yesterday I, there was or this morning, there's a parade in New York. And I thought, oh, it's probably like 71 percent vaccinated. No, the parade <laughs> in New York is for the frontline workers. So they used oh to be cops God. and firemen, but it's the healthcare ones. And I was like, they're <laughs> heroes who selflessly I was like, oh, my gosh, they must have foregone their paychecks because they were selflessly putting themselves on the line for us out of the goodness of their hearts. Of course not. They're paid. They're having a parade for them. And I thought, you know, they should have a parade for us, for all the podcasters <laughs> who are really putting ourselves on the line. And then I thought, you know what? If anyone were to suggest that, they would just make it a parade for journalists, which they might actually do. And then you'd see Cooper, Anderson Cooper and Brian Shelter <laughs> and all those guys. I mean, I'm and just What's that I'm guy who always asks the questions, the terrible questions? Acosta, Jim Acosta, that guy. <laughs> Yeah, I can just see like a big parade for those guys and they're all waving and everything. And we're like under the wheels of the bus. But I might give Tubin a float. Yeah, Tubin. Yeah. I'm sure Tubin's going to make a big comeback. Like, why was his camera face down? That's the only <laughs> thing I want to understand. You right. know, that's why I think that even that was a setup. Right. But they need like a set of Internet awards. You know, we have the Tonys, the Emmys and the uh, and the Academy Awards. They need like an Internet set of awards. And we can oh. give it for things like these TikTok videos and stupid crap that those those so-called heroes last year all created. But I'm shocked that there's no like generalized Internet award already. Oh, it'll for. come now that you mention it, of course. But yeah. I have to ask you a question. Have you read Our Enemy, the State by Albert J. Nock? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great book. Yes. It's a foundational one. It's only 88 pages. It's from the 30s. But one passage just like cracks me up or it's so obvious that it could have been written at any time, any any minute, any day about how the guys pull. Everybody's got a constitution in their pocket and the guy pulls it out when it serves his purposes and, of course, keeps it in his pocket when it doesn't serve his purposes or it's like like one party is the, is the one that's like yelling at the other for the constitution it's so funny because under obama like you were um some kind of philistine if you ever quoted the constitution and then they were actually 
trying to accuse Trump of being unconstitutional, which I was accusing Trump of being unconstitutional when even in his campaign, I'm like, why does this guy never talk about the Fourth Amendment? Like, that is our problem right now. But he didn't. <laughs> but I and I have to just ask if what what do you think about what seems to be a big trend in homesteading in people growing their own food do you think that they're going to they're going to come for the homesteaders or like do you think that's a good place to put your energy you know, those are very personal things as far as me being a homesteader. I will never do it just because I have a limited set of skills. Unlike Liam Neeson, I have a very limited set of skills. <laughs> and, and so I'm not going to be doing homesteading. Um, but I think it could probably buy you some time. Eventually, they're going to come for everybody. But, you know, those are going to be low priority targets for quite a while. The, the, the only issue I would say with people who want to kind of do that stuff is that I get it, you know, and I've got no problem, no judgment here about doing it. But what is the obligation to the next generation? What is the obligation to the generations after us? I mean, people forget we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Everything you eat, everything people figured out how to do, it all got passed on. And yeah, it's all getting screwed up here in the last couple hundred years by a small group of people who've gotten rusty control. But I mean, we're on the brink of getting into really kind of a digital electronic prison and I don't know. I, I wouldn't sleep that well just knowing that, well, whatever, I'm just going to leave people to be and uh, I'm going to go do my own thing. And eventually it'll come for me, but maybe I'll already be dead by then. Um, like I said, not just no judgment for me, but you're never going to avoid it. I mean, yeah. eventually, eventually they will come for everybody. That, that's just the way it is. And of course, homesteaders are a low priority. The big cities and all this other stuff, those are higher priorities. And so you can probably buy a decent amount of time by doing it. Um if you want to live on a farm and, you know, make your own clothes or whatever the hell it is they do out there. I don't know. I don't like I said I don't have any of the skills. And so if it's appealing to somebody, I say, you know, go do it. But I, I it's have not appealing to me. Yeah, I, I have thought that if you are going to do that in order to fulfill, I guess it would not only be that what I always say is a um a debt to our parents and a duty to our children, that kind of thinking. If you're going to do it that way, then you do have to stay plugged in because they do have the guns. They do. They will come and take your chickens. And the way maybe to do that is a, a very practical way. Like if go to your meetings and see, make sure they're not coming after your right to, to collect water or your right to bear arms or your right to grow chickens. Maybe it's a way to keep people's feet on the ground in two ways. One, actually knowing how to do stuff and two, actually knowing what is so important to fight for. Now, that would be people taking it on the local level. But I think they are coming for them, right, Pinkley? They are coming. For yeah. Them. Did you know, legal man, that healthy living groups, we learned this from the Council on Foreign Relations, a deconstruction we did a couple of weeks ago. Healthy living groups are actually a guise for white nationalists and white supremacists. That's they, this lady from the Council on Foreign Relations said that. And, no, and this was a training teaching yeah. local journalists how to report on domestic terrorism. And nobody raised their hand and was like, what the fuck? One person <laughs> right. did, though. Well, she said, explain it to me. And then she then she stopped. But she was like, I'm giving up grain or whatever, granola or something like that. Then, oh, yeah. And she that was the only question immediately. <laughs> yeah. 
She said, one of the things she said was, you think they're just canning tomatoes, but 10 layers deep (laughs) is a white supremacist. And and like the question is, how... I mean, how could you possibly make that claim? And how are these journalists supposed to have any journalistic integrity saying, oh, all natural living groups are how that that's how they're going to report. Oh, I know what that guy's like. That was her argument. What Monica just said, because she wow. asked it to explain it and it wasn't any evidence or any like real argument. It was just uh, um, it's just 10 layers deep. It's just you know, at the bottom of that can of tomatoes, white nationalist. <laughs> I've always been, you know, it's very hard for me to get inside the mind of a lot of different, mostly average kinds of people, normal people um, in a certain kinds of areas like this. This is concept that you wouldn't speak up. I've always been kind of a troublemaker in that area. And, <laughs> and I'm not really even a troublemaker. It's just that when someone says something that is just a complete load of shit, um, <laughs> I, I don't honestly care who they are. Uh, I, if if there's questions available, I'm going to ask one. If if I'm there and that's my job, I'm going to ask. And I don't really care if it offends them or anything else. Maybe I've just misunderstood what they said. Maybe I'm doing them a favor to give them an opportunity to clear something up. Or maybe I, I'm just exposing them for just being a liar or just a piece of crap. I don't know. But... I'm amazed how many people simply don't speak up. And and I know I've told you guys this before. I am shocked. And I was over my career when people would come in with a problem and it would be some kind of medical issue. And they'd be telling me all about it. And I'd ask them, okay, well, what did your doctor say? Oh, I didn't ask them. And they wouldn't have asked them like all these most fundamental, basic questions. It's a combination of deer in the headlights, which a huge number of people have this kind of fear of speaking in public, which it doesn't really, it's not really public, but speaking to someone who's seen as any kind of authority figure, uh, they're just, most people will not speak up. They'll even go, well, I'm never going to do that. And they won't even have, have asked any questions to the person that's supposed to be treating them. They just leave without the information. And you know that it, it applies throughout society. I watch these people who just keep their mouth shut as anything happens to go on. I mean, it's the emperor has no clothes. Um, what do you mean? They're not, they don't have any clothes. Where are the clothes? And then everyone's just shocked that, you know, some little kid spoke up. Yeah. That power of authority. It's so it's powerful. Huge. Edward Bernays. He would just say, call me doctor and call him doctor. <laughs> and that yes. lends authority to what he says in a clear right. manipulation tactic. He told it to David Letterman. Go ahead, Mike. Binkley, the first thing you ever sent me to listen to, I believe it was either an Art Bell thing on Montauk Oh, or yeah. I think that was the second thing. <laughs> I think the first thing was a, a real audio of Algis Huxley talking about how 10% of the people or 20% of the people you will never reach. They will never buy into your lies or your manipulation. 10 or 20% of the people will buy anything you say at all. And then it's that 60% that you really have to, it's like triage. It actually, that's literally what triage is like cut into three. And it's the one, the hopeless or the easy you push aside, but the ones in the middle are the ones that you target. And I've actually heard other people say it in different ways, maybe even like Francis Bacon in this great podcast I was listening to where uh, he was just saying like, you have to, that, you know, there's, 
the middle is the sheep. So there are the like the wolves. And my son gave this analogy. He's like, yeah, there's a sheep. Then there are the wolves. But then there's like the shepherds or the, you know, the, the wise men or whatever, like who aren't actually trying to wolf the sheep. But they really don't have that much power because they're not wolves. They don't get on top. But that that sheep piece is like a different human nature completely. Oh, yeah. I mean, un- really unreachable as far as like getting those people to stand up for themselves. And it really changes the way I think about liberty. And even libertarians will say like the, there's a book I have on my bookshelf. I figured I wrote it. Something like the myth or the danger of the concept of equality. You know, like mm-hmm. there's a natural elite. I don't want to go down that path because like I'm still uh, scared of offending people. But I do think that it's it, I'm beginning to think that there is this that the sheep are unreachable. Yeah. And it calls this question the I, I whole democracy the question, theory. <laughs> I get a question all the time, you guys. I'm sure you do, too, on social media. And that is, why is it that some people can see this stuff and figure out the, the lies and some people can? And, of course, it's it's just exactly what you're talking about. That there's this I don't know what it is. I don't see any I don't see anything that connects them up with regards to like intelligence or job or race or age or gender or anything uh, where they grew up. And you, you can come from a third world country, second, first. It doesn't seem to make any difference. There's there's just such an incredible range of people who can see. And then there's just this incredible group of people who can't see no matter what you put in front of them. And that's why I have that quote on my Twitter page about the three types. And there's people who see, there's people who see when it's shown, and then there's a group of people who can't see. And, and, (laughs) and, and that's what it is. And it's such an intractable problem because that's the heart of trying to get any kind of change. That's the heart of it, because if, in fact, that large bulk group you just talked about, um, which I think those figures are probably pretty close or pretty accurate. Well, you're, you, you may or may not even need those people. All you really need is to get the people who are kind of on our side, more organized and in power and to somehow push the other people down who are on the opposite side of us. The biggest problem I see in in trying to make real progress with what people like uh, you and me want, which is real freedom, is that they they tend to be people who want to be left alone. And it's very hard to organize people who don't want to tell other people what to do. And the people who get in charge are people who want to tell other people what to do. The last thing they care about is freedom. They want freedom from themselves and not freedom for others. You, you're not a hypocrite. You want freedom for yourself and freedom for them. The people in charge who claim they want freedom... They want freedom from themselves and they want slavery for everybody else. And it's very, very hard to organize people who have a mindset like like we do, which is, hey, live and let live. As long as you're not bothering me, golden rule, the natural law kind of that It's just very hard to organize them because <laughs> by their very nature, they're not group think people who go out and organize like that. I mean, and it's, just and it's, it's not cats. just that. I think that um, what you're saying makes me think something beyond that even which is the people who do attain those positions of money and power and influence they what drives them is 
domination, lust, greed, like all of these things that are beyond their own capability of satisfying their appetites, like for consumption are greater than their ability to produce. They have to, I think, was it William Graham Sumner, maybe, who said something like all, all the whole story of history is about some men trying to get the benefit of another man's work. And And that's and so that's why you have like it's much more motivating. It's not it's not just that we're hard to organize and we're individuals and libertarians. It's that we're satisfied with justice, which would be you eat what you kill, I guess. But those that other one sees the sheep and they want to eat them all. They're narcissists. See, that's the whole thing. They're they're narcissists and there is no amount that will ever satisfy them. And they don't care one bit about so-called fairness or anything else that people like we have in our own set, in our own minds, this kind of, you know, a sense of fair play. It's just not something they have. And that's why they're so successful in our culture. And I'm telling you, it's a very, very big problem. It's a really big problem. And it is it is exponentially increasing with every generation. And now these smartphones, I'm telling you, the last 15 years, you all have definitely seen it just like me. An insane, dramatic, going, I mean, just parabolic insanity of the narcissistic feeding on the craziness and you keep carrying that out for another 10 or 15 years and you're going to have generations of people who are not only infected but who who know nothing but that and i just don't know if they're going to be reachable because these kinds of thought patterns these kinds of personalities traits they're very very rigid and they don't change uh they're really hard to change and so once they get set which I suspect our overseers know, once it gets set, it's almost impossible to change. As the old saying goes, every generation has to be civilized. And if you fail to civilize a generation, that's it. It's lost because they won't civilize the next. It's gone. And so once you allow this insane narcissistic culture to set in and take root, they're going to raise a bunch of crazy narcissists too. And everything's just going to run on autopilot. And You know what I bet that is? That's very interesting. Once you lose the thread, it's gone forever. That had thought about that and that is um i i hope that isn't as true as it sounds i'll have to reflect on that a little bit but but i i will say that that must be i bet that is like i see there's a paradigm shift in the control mechanism where they're moving away from the war model to this total control model which is why they're letting sports circle the drain but what you're saying i think they're moving away from the control model that had been exploiting that sense of justice that you were saying that we have exploiting that by using that to make us control ourselves like i always said that about religion like the big religions it's like it has two things self-taxing which is like charity helping people and and beha- rules of behavior, which is self-policing. And that w- made religion very powerful. And if the state could control the religion, they would really have le- less or use that religious um, self-moral, like moral self-control. But if they replace that with the the desire through narcissism to be admired or, you know, that that requires conformity, that requires fitting into that audience. And that would be a different control mechanism, but one that is really uh, terrible for the soul. Horrible. It's all about these social credits. There's going to be people who love getting social credits. That's what they're raising. They're raising a generation 
and they're trying to create an entire population that loves this concept of this social credit control because it feeds right into their insane dysfunction. And, and it's like, that's what's going on right now in front of everybody's eyes. You can just look around and see it. I have a final question for you yeah. that fits right with what we're talking about here. We, we have some patrons uh, submit some questions and we're going to get to one of them. Okay, and great. This is from Scott. He says, hey, legal man, what personal skill? And Monica, I think we should all go around and but make he had a, a good joke. What personal skill do you believe is most useful in recognizing modern day propaganda that is effectively being used on the global populace? So what personal skill can people try to develop to help? <sighs> I don't know if they call it a skill, but the, the number one thing I tell people to do is you have to always make sure to examine where the hidden assumptions are and whatever it is you're believing. You have to throw those out. You have to find out that, oh, I believe such and such. Oh, it's like, oh, well, I got misled because I have an assumption built in that I've never checked into. And and that's what led me to get down kind of to the bottom of all this is that I'm always on the lookout for, well, is that something I've really never examined? Is that just something I kind of believe? You know, America's the greatest, freest kind of thing. It's a simple version of it. Is it really the greatest, freest? Is it, is it really? And and all those things, if you if you will constantly keep that in your mind, that will hold it. What is that statement what is it built on? What is the underlying assumptions that are required to believe that? What am I actually just skipping over? I would uh, say that one is yeah, one of my hosts. Great helpful. answer. That is really identifies, articulates. I, I always thought like I have truth dar. I've been honing my truth dar. And the first step in the path to truth is identifying the assumptions it's that you don't recognize which you don't right. you never discern between the assumptions and your what you know and people don't even think to ask that question it's so fundamental. I, I, I found that not only in my, my journey to, to truth, whatever people call them, truth seekers, or I don't know what way people have these different names for them, but in my own journey, when I do all that ACA work, I realized all the different things I had at a personal level that I just had assumptions about sort of me and people and what was happening. And it's like, wow, more and more I realized, wow, that's just another assumption. That's just another thing that's built into me. I just knee jerk reaction. I just go to this pattern and it's the same thing in thought patterns they get put in very very early in all these educational systems and the people just accept all these things it's like well have you ever really asked that <laughs> and then you can see a light go on sometime in someone's eyes like oh yeah you know i never really thought about that and that's something i try to do all the time is, is constantly be on the lookout for a built-in assumption that i'm not seeing and Binkley's going to like this. The way, the number one best way to do that is to actually listen to people. Like if you're having a discussion or whatever to actually, and that's why Active on WSB, listening. yeah, when, when the, when the callers would call with their scripts and I would completely short circuit them because I would ask them to basically, I wanted them to convince me. I was like, mm -hmm. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. And they're mm -hmm. just like, their heads would explode. But mm -hmm. that's how you learn. And, and once you've decided that you cannot 
accept any criticism or you're so wedded to being right. And that actually, at the beginning of our conversation today, you had said that the narcissist will never take responsibility for himself. And I, I never realized those were connected. Oh, but yeah. That, it's that idea of you can't take responsibility is also like you cannot examine your own assumptions, your own humanity, your own flaws. Of course. Right. There you go. You have to keep an open mind all the time. You know, you're I'm, I'm always like, oh, OK, well, this is kind of where I am now. But even on social media, I'm always open to hearing evidence. Uh, if it's evidence I've already heard before, OK, then I immediately discard it because I've already looked through it. But I'm always open to new evidence. I, mean, I, I discover things all the time. Very few now recently because I've been doing it so long. It's like, well, that was an assumption I had built into that. And that's why I was wrong, because I'd never actually examined that. And, you know, there's no shame in being wrong. <laughs> There's no shame in being wrong. People are wrong all the time. I've been the wrong. Is we're taught times. that there is through the education system. We're right. That and that's is. the thing. Right. People are so scared now to admit that they were wrong about anything. And it's like, dude, everybody's wrong about all sorts of stuff all the time. In fact, the entire history of so-called scientific advancement is nothing but a long history of guys who were wrong. And th that's it. You you're wrong about one thing, but is long as you don't get wedded to it, you can use that to build on something else. It might not be 100% wrong. It might only be half wrong. And you can learn from that. And I don't understand why people have such a problem with uh, admitting that they were wrong about something. Every single person has been wrong countless times in their lives. I don't get it. It's just yeah. a, it's a part of living. I would say, speaking to that and working with Active listening and challenging your own fundamental assumptions, which are both great answers. I would say that a skill to develop is emotional regulation because you mm -hmm. have to be able to regulate your emotion in order to question those fundamental assumptions and in order to actively listen. Because if you're not, you're filled with passion. The propaganda targets your emotion. It uses emotional appeals. You're not thinking. You're waiting to speak. You have to be able to regulate your emotions. There's plenty of exercises, breathing, meditation, positive psychology stuff that helps with that. And that's one of the best skills you can develop to help with all it's this. It's huge. And, that's a good I'll, one. As far as that what it can do if you're open like that this is this is why i think the aa thing says makes you go around and apologize for everything because i think people drink to keep those like regrets at bay yeah and, and that's what i think and uh so i've you know, every once in a while, I was just like, don't drink anything for like a year so that just clean out your body, whatever. And if you're used to like watching TV to go to sleep or reading to fall asleep or um, drinking to fall asleep, like you don't vet those thoughts and they're a little scary, but it doesn't take very long to like work through all of them a few months. So if you're in a habit of questioning your own assumptions, of having those open minded discussions and you're mature, you you age, you you spend time doing that you have experiences, then when someone hits you with something you've heard before, you can hit back very like that's why your Twitter feed's so good, Legal Man, is that you can hit back very quickly and correctly. And Binkley, you did this for me right away when we first started working to before we even worked together. It was that guy who was trolling me on my blog about the Anderson <laughs> Cooper thing where um, Anderson Cooper Somebody had a completely random follow up to uh, a question that he had asked, and then he had a follow up to the totally random follow up on the card. So it was obviously totally scripted. And I mm -hmm. wrote an article about it and some troll was going on and on. And Binkley was like, hey, 
that guy is just a liar and a jerk. And I was like, I don't know. He seems really smart to me. And you like kept beating him down until finally he said, I've read everything Socrates ever wrote and yada, yada. And Binkley was like, Socrates never wrote anything. You know, dropped yeah. the mic and walked away. And and when you when you are experienced and understand when somebody's full of shit or have the fallacious argument, like I'm always busy being like polite and I just, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's probably because I'm a chick, but I'll never like fight back because I'm afraid that then I'll just really look like an idiot because I didn't think of this or whatever. But when so there's a value in having that experience, you become actually more valuable, more justified, more um, victorious if if you're after uh, changing minds or opening minds. Right. If you go through that painful process of vulnerability or self-reflection. And these are things that 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 I think like the Greeks getting back to the Greeks, th- there's there's. They figured out education like a th- thousands of years ago. And ever since then, until like Dewey, a hundred years ago, was like, hey, man, we've got or as like Charlotte Ezerbite explained that the liberal arts were called the liberal arts because only free men were allowed to learn them because the Greeks were smart and you wanted them to run your farms and your accounting and stuff. You did not want them to understand civics and history and language and all that kind of stuff. The education, what to make a full human being, the noble man was was established, and now with you know the increase in wealth and stuff, we, everybody could have had it, and that was going to be a big problem. So they've taught us how not to think, how not to be prepared. Rhetoric was the first thing to go, and that's really I think what we're talking about. Yeah, but what I'm talking about, you were talking about <laughs> questioning assumptions, but that is that would be part of it, I think. You can't have a good argument if you don't if you if you don't drill all the way down. And there's nothing wrong with not knowing an answer. Um, one thing I learned over many years of practicing law is that people are very hesitant to say I don't know <laughs> as an answer to a question, and uh, most of the time they don't know. And um, there's there's no shame. I, I people all the time ask me crap on Twitter, and I'll just say I have no idea. How the hell could I ever know? I don't know. I don't have the facts. I don't have the ability to gather any of this. I can guess. I can speculate. That's all. But people feel compelled to know a lot of answers that they don't know. And then they they make a statement and then they feel compelled to back it up. It's just, <laughs> yes. just compounding the problem. <laughs> That's an easy weakness to fall into. And it I is. do try to avoid it. But yeah, there's I get into very frustrating. I actually think there are people on Twitter in that are there just to have really frustrating, lengthy conversations oh, yeah. so that you can't get out from under it for hours and that's 100%. a manipulation trick is they bait people into taking these public positions and then because the people have taken the public position they want to create that that uh align to align their inner feelings with their outer feelings that consistency what's his name who wrote the the six influence tactics he talked about this a lot the consistency of your outward statements with your internal feeling so if you can bait people into making these public proclamations then they will then in turn even if they didn't support it before will begin acting in alliance with it and i will add this as an end for my point on this is that it's very similar in the narcissistic thing what happens when you're in the relationship is there's so much there's so much cognitive dissonance uh with regards to gaslighting which is the same thing people are experiencing in public and what happens is the person starts to question themselves. And in order to get the cognitive distance relieved, they have to kind of take a, a position that doesn't really fit with what they're experiencing. They make excuses and other things. And that's what you that's what I've witnessed, at least all the time out in society. People create these situations where they take positions that make no sense whatsoever with what we're all saying. And they do that in order to relieve that cognitive dissonance. And that's. 
It's really powerful. People really need to give some consideration to how much of that's going on right now. Fantastic. What a great conversation. Always a pleasure always to have fun. you, Legal Man. Where can everybody find you? Um, well, you can always find me on Twitter, Legal Man at US Law Review. They haven't kicked me off yet. I think I kind of understand your algo, so I'm pretty careful. But um, I also have a podcast it's called The Quash. It's available pretty much everywhere. And I also wanted to tell people that I have been cast as Mr. Jones in the upcoming indie film, Jones Plantation. And I made it. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Larkin Rose. Yeah, yeah. Larkin wrote it. And so we're going to film it in September. And uh, it's supposed to be out the end of this year or early next year. And I'm going to play Mr. Jones. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun project. It's definitely a Liberty project. And uh, it's got a lot of great people on it. And I'm excited. I've never done any kind of acting, but I've, I've met with the, uh, the director, Andrew, and he's a great guy. And it's got a lot of cool people on the project. And I'm really stoked about it. I hope people uh, support it. They sponsor our show sometimes. There you so go. I, a couple of uh, Larkin Rose's books, The Most Dangerous Superstition and What Anarchy Isn't, are right. a couple of the books that we um, advertise on our show from time to time. So hopefully we'll be able to give some lengthy plugs to Jones Plantation. You yeah, it's going to be great. We're also going to do casting. We're perfect. also going to we're also going to do a uh, there's going to be a behind the scenes um, kind of YouTube series that we're going to make and release kind of simultaneously with the filming. So people will be able to kind of follow along with it and there'll be interviews and stuff on the set and things like that to hopefully get people excited. So that'll start hitting out this fall. And uh, so anyway, I think it's a really cool project. I mean, it was a big decision for me to come out from behind the uh, wall. And oh, I, was, I, I thought it was say, a cartoon. We to, yeah, yeah, we get to see you. Yeah, no, no. It's going to be a full indie film. We're going to be filming oh. in the South and a couple different locations. And uh, uh, so I did a I did a release video with Andrew and that's up. And um, so people can already see me and I've having a kind of, you know, it's just entertaining. I thought it was worth it because, like yeah. I said, to have any possibility, you know, of reaching certain kinds of people, you have to kind of tell a story and entertain them. And uh you know, we can use humor and other stuff like I try to on my podcast, but, you know, the movie's a whole different thing and it's an allegory. And we're hoping people will, as you know, because you've seen the obviously seen the cartoon short and yeah. but, you know, it's full feature film and uh, I'm really excited. That is, well, is going to cool. answer well Stella's it. question, a patron who asked, <laughs> legal man, who are you? I wonder if you look like my mental picture of you, which is a cross between Columbo and Elvis. So I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, well, they can they can go to my Twitter feed and find her. They can look up the Jones Plantation on the Internet and they'll see the uh, released uh, interview I did with Andrew where uh, I'm, I'm there. So anybody they can see me there. <laughs> that is super, super cool. I'm going to go look it up right now. Fantastic. Thank you again for joining us. Okay. Thank you all for listening. Y'all can find us at thepropreport.com or your favorite po podcasting platform. Be sure and listen to our daily show, Drive Time News Blast. We will talk to y'all next time. Thank you, Monica. Thank you, Legal Man. Have a fantastic evening or day, depending on when you're listening. See y'all later. Are you enjoying this special episode of the Propaganda Report? If you are, you might enjoy our weekday show, the Drive Time News Blast. 
30 minutes of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. We listen to the news and peel away the propaganda so you don't have to. It's free in the Propaganda Report feed on your favorite podcasting platform. And if that's not enough for you, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash propaganda report. There you can get a full 45 minutes of daily news from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice, or choose higher tiers that give you all of that, plus access to our very special disappearing patron parties, live-streamed cocktail parties with us and like-minded patrons, two Fridays every month that are always a blast. Hope you are enjoying this special episode of The Propaganda Report, and hope to catch you at a patron party soon. (laughs) 